Hello, this is Jude from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 17th of November. India reported 29,164 cases of coronavirus in the last 24 hours, taking the country's tally to 88.7 lakh. This is the first time in over four months that less than 30,000 cases have been detected in a day. Nearly 450 fresh fatalities were recorded in the last 24 hours, taking the total death toll to 1,30,000. Pharmaceutical firm Bharat Biotech announced the commencement of Phase 3 trials of Covaxin, its candidate for coronavirus vaccine yesterday. The Phase 3 trials will involve 26,000 volunteers across India and will be conducted in partnership with ICMR. It will be the largest clinical trial conducted for a COVID-19 vaccine in India. Maharashtra remains the state with the highest active COVID cases in the country, with over 85,000 active coronavirus cases. It is followed by Kerala with over 71,000 and Delhi with around 40,000 active cases. The national capital reported nearly 3,800 new COVID cases in the last 24 hours. This figure is lower than Delhi's recent daily trend of over 7,000 cases per day. Experts have said that the decline in cases could be due to low testing in the capital. Data also showed that fewer than 30,000 tests have been conducted in a day. In these tests alone, the positivity rate was nearly two and a half times worse than the national average. As part of the directives issued in yesterday's meeting between the Union Home Minister and the Delhi government, 75 doctors and 250 paramedics from the paramilitary forces are headed to the capital. These health workers will be coming from different parts of the country to serve the people who are facing a manpower shortage owing to the recent spike in cases. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal said today that his government has sent a proposal to the central government seeking permission to impose lockdowns in market areas, which he said may emerge as COVID-19 hotspots. The Delhi government is also looking at reducing the number of people allowed for public gatherings to 50. This comes a day after Delhi Health Minister Satyendar Jain had said that there were no plans to impose further lockdowns. Colleges in the state of Karnataka reopened today after months of being closed due to the coronavirus-induced lockdown. The institutions will have to follow all COVID-19 standard operating procedures or SOPs. Every student has been asked to undergo an RT-PCR test. They will only be allowed to join the varsity if they test negative for the infection. West Bengal has been showing a declining trend in active coronavirus cases with more recoveries being reported than fresh cases daily since last week. Around 3,000 new infections were reported in the state in the last 24 hours, while over 4,300 people recovered. The high number of recoveries took the discharge rate up to 91.81% and the active caseload declined to nearly 27,900 cases. Madhya Pradesh Home Minister Narota Mishra today said the state government would soon bring in a law to counter Love Jihad. He told reporters that the Love Jihad bill will soon be introduced in the state assembly and that it will include five years' rigorous imprisonment for violators. He said, and I quote, There will be provision to declare marriages taking place forcefully out of fraud or by tempting someone for religious conversion, null and void. Those assisting in committing this crime will also be considered a party to the crime, unquote. He added that the charge would be a cognizable and non-bailable offence. In cases of voluntary conversion, Mishra said it will be mandatory to apply to the collector a month in advance. This move has come a couple of weeks after Karnataka and Haryana governments said they had been keen on bringing in legislation against Love Jihad. 
Madhya Pradesh CM Shivraj Singh Chauhan had earlier hinted at bringing in a new legislation against love jihad. He had said and I quote, jihad will not be permitted in the name of love at any cost in the state. Necessary legal provisions will be made against love jihad, unquote. Love jihad is a conspiracy theory used by right-wing outfits who accuse Muslim men of converting Hindu women by marrying them. Right-wing leaders also allege this to be a part of a larger Muslim conspiracy of eventually turning Hindus into a minority in the country. The right to marry a person of one's choice, however, is guaranteed under Article 21 of the Constitution. Haryana CM Manohar Lal Khattar had also said he was considering a similar legislation after a 21-year-old college student was shot dead in the state. The girl's family alleged that she was being pressured by the accused who wanted her to convert and marry him. Last month the Allahabad High Court had noted that religious conversion just for the sake of marriage was not acceptable. Citing the court's order, Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Adityanath had also said that his government would make a new law to stop love jihad. Dear listeners, please consider this a discretion warning as the following news involves graphic and violent acts. The bodies of two Dalit sisters who were both minors were found in a pond in a village in the Asodhar area of Uttar Pradesh's Fatehpur district. Police officials said the bodies of the victims with injury marks on their eyes were retrieved from the pond late in the evening. ASP Rajesh Kumar said the two girls aged 8 and 12 belonged to a Dalit family. The police said that the girls had gone to a field in the afternoon to get vegetables but did not return. The family members of the victims have alleged that assailants killed the girls after an unsuccessful attempt to rape them. The bodies of the victims were sent for postmortem and the report is awaited. In another incident of gender-based violence in Uttar Pradesh, two men allegedly raped and murdered a 7-year-old girl and extracted her liver, the Indian Express reported. The incident took place in Bhadra's village in Kanpur. The police said that the victim had gone missing on Diwali night and a mutilated body was found the next day. The police added that the two accused gave the girl's liver to a couple related to them who believed that eating the organ would help them have a child. All four have been arrested. According to Rural Superintendent of Police Brijesh Kumar Srivastav, the two youths were paid rupees one thousand five hundred between them for the task. They reportedly used the money to buy alcohol. The accused have confessed to the police that they sexually assaulted the girl and then strangled her. Subsequently, they allegedly cut open her stomach to remove her organs. The post-mortem report shows shock and hemorrhage due to injuries as cause of death. In the FIR filed. The accused have been booked for murder and causing disappearance of evidence under the Indian Penal Code. The police later added the charges of gang rape and sections of the Protection of Children from Sexual Offences Act to report as the victim was a minor. The Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath announced a compensation of rupees 5 lakh for the victim's family and directed the authorities to take strict action against those involved. In the recent past, Shocking incidents of caste and gender-based violence have come out of the state of Uttar Pradesh, including the Hathras and Lakhimpur Kheri incidents. News Laundry reporters Nithi Suresh and Akansha Kumar have consistently been bringing in-depth ground reports about such incidents from UP. They have been talking to the families of the victims and looking into the irregularities on the part of the law enforcement. Once you're done listening to this podcast, I urge you to go to newslaundry.com and read the reports in the Lakhimpur Kheri and Hathras series. Dear listeners, it is only possible for our reporters to report on these incidents from the ground with your support. We are an independent news platform producing podcasts, ground reports, interviews, videos, media critique and much more. We would not be able to do all this work if not for our subscribers who fund it. 
So if you aren't a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to keep news free and independent. Go to newslaundry.com and hit the subscribe button at the top right hand corner of the website. Lowest subscription starts at 300 rupees a month only. Pay to keep news free. The Supreme Court today expressed displeasure over the central government's affidavit in the case related to media reporting of the Tablighi Jamaat congregation, which took place in the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic. The top court said that it should consider setting up a regulatory mechanism to deal with such content on TV. The bench comprised Chief Justice of India S.A. Bobde and Justices A.S. Bopana and V. Rama Subramaniam. It told Solicitor General Tushar Mehta, and I quote, First, you did not file a proper affidavit, and then you filed an affidavit which did not deal with the two important questions. This way, it cannot be done, Mr. Mehta. We want to know as to what is the mechanism to deal with these contents on television. If there is no regulatory mechanism, then you create one. Regulation cannot be left to organizations like News Broadcasting Standards Authority, unquote. The bench was hearing the pleas filed by Jamiat Ulama Ihind and others alleging that a section of the print and electronic media had communalized the Tablighi Jamaat issue. The bench asked the center to file a fresh affidavit dealing with a mechanism to regulate electronic media under the Cable TV Network Act. The center had filed an affidavit at the beginning of last month. It read, and I quote again, The spread of COVID-19 among attendees of the Jamaat, attacks on health workers by some sections were all matters of fact and news reports based on facts cannot be censored, unquote. The affidavit had also said that the plea by Jamiat had raised grievances against certain sections of media without naming any and certain news reports without producing these reports. Former Bengaluru mayor and senior Congress leader Sampath Raj was arrested by the Central Crime Branch yesterday. Raj is a key accused in a case related to the Bengaluru communal violence of August. News agency ANI reported that Raj was taken to the Central Crime Branch office in Bengaluru after his arrest. He had earlier escaped from a private hospital where he was admitted for COVID-19 treatment. The president of Congress's Karnataka unit, D.K. Shivakumar, alleged that his arrest was planned by the BJP-led state government. Three people were killed and at least 60 were injured in violence that erupted in Bengaluru in August. The incident took place after a mob attacked the residence of Congress MLA Akhanda Srinivas Murthy. The violence had broke out over a derogatory Facebook post allegedly made by Murthy's nephew against Prophet Muhammad. The riots saw arson, vandalism and stone pelting at the politician's house and police stations at DJ Hully and KG Hully areas. More than 300 people were arrested for the violence. According to news agency PTI, a preliminary charge sheet filed by the police last month said that intra-party rivalry within Congress was what instigated the violence. Now let's move on to the international updates. The global tally of coronavirus cases today stands at 55.3 million while 38.4 million people have recovered and 1.33 million people have died so far. The US remains the worst hit country with 11.52 million cases and 252,623 deaths. In a Twitter thread that has now gone viral, Jody During, a nurse in South Dakota who treats COVID patients, tweeted about how many of her dying patients were still in denial about the pandemic's existence. In an interview with CNN, During said, and I quote, I think the hardest thing to watch is that people are still looking for something else and a magic answer, and they do not want to believe COVID is real, unquote. She said, and I quote, their last dying words are, this can't be happening, it's not real, unquote. Adding that some patients prefer to believe that they have pneumonia or other diseases rather than COVID-19, despite seeing their positive test results. 
The biotech company Moderna Incorporation said Monday that its experimental vaccine was 94.5% effective in preventing disease, according to an analysis of its clinical trial. The news comes a week after Pfizer and BioNTech said their vaccine was more than 90% effective. The inclusion of high-risk and elderly people in the Moderna trial suggested the vaccine would protect those most vulnerable to the disease, said Peter Opitshaw, a professor of experimental medicine at Imperial College London, who described the results as tremendously exciting. Meanwhile, World Health Organization WHO director said that a coronavirus vaccine alone would not end the pandemic. Continued surveillance, testing and quarantining would be needed to effectively control the crisis. He said in a series of tweets, and I quote, Since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, we knew that a vaccine would be essential for bringing the pandemic under control. But it's important to emphasize that a vaccine will complement the other tools we have, not replace them, unquote. Australian authorities conducted mass tests on Tuesday and about 4,000 people were confined to quarantine in the hope of stifling a new cluster of cases of the novel coronavirus after hopes it had been largely eradicated. The state of South Australia reimposed social distancing restrictions on Monday after detecting 21 cases of the coronavirus, most of which were acquired locally. South Australia Premier Stephen Marshall said testing had identified five new cases in the past 24 hours, while 14 people were suspected to be infected and were awaiting test results. Marshall told reporters, and I quote, We are now out of the woods. We are just at the beginning stages of dealing with this particular very nasty cluster, unquote. Marshall said all cases could be tracked back to an Australian who arrived in South Australia from overseas on 2nd November and entered mandatory quarantine in a hotel. He added that hotel workers are believed to have contracted the virus after touching surface contaminated with the virus. Peru's Congress has elected a new interim president after nearly 24 hours without a head of state as the country reels from an intense week of pro-democracy protests marked by accusations of police brutality. Francisco Sagasti, an industrial engineer, a member of the only political party that voted against the ousting of popular former president Martin Vizcarra a week ago, will be Peru's caretaker president presiding over elections in April 2021. The move is expected to ease tension on the streets after the impeachment of Vizcarra last Monday unleashed nationwide protests and what analysts have called Peru's worst political crisis in more than a decade. The former interim president, Manuel Merino, stepped down on Sunday after mounting calls for his resignation culminated in nationwide fury over the killing of two protesters on Saturday in a heavy-handed police clampdown on demonstrations. Hurricane Iota has made landfall on Nicaragua's Caribbean coast, threatening catastrophic damage to the same part of Central America, already battered by the equally strong Hurricane Ita less than two weeks ago. Iota had intensified into a dangerous Category 5 storm early on Monday, but the U.S. National Hurricane Center, or NHC, said it weakened slightly to Category 4 with maximum sustained winds of 250 km per hour. It made landfall about 30 miles, that is 45 km, south of the Nicaraguan city of Puerto Cabezas, also known as Bilvi. President Juan Orlando Hernandez of neighboring Honduras said at an earlier press conference, and I quote, What's drawing closer is a bomb, unquote. Iota is the strongest Atlantic hurricane of the year and only the second November hurricane to reach Category 5. The last was in the year 1932. This year's Atlantic hurricane season has broken the record for the number of named storms. For only the second time on record, officials have had to start using the letters of the Greek alphabet to start storm names. Honduras, Guatemala and Nicaragua have evacuated residents living in the low-lying areas 
and near rivers in the Atlantic coastal region, which Iota is expected to hit. Before reaching Central America, the storm moved past the Colombian island of Providencia in the Caribbean, cutting off electricity and killing one person. Now for some homegrown stuff from Newslaundry.com. This week on NL Hafta, News Laundry's Abhinandan Sikri, Jayashree Arunachalam and Anand Vardhan are joined by Joanna Slater, the India Bureau Chief of the Washington Post. The discussion spans Biden versus Trump, Bihar election results, Arnab Goswami's bail, political and religious conditioning, and how to define terrorism, among others. Abhinandan brings up press freedom and asks Joanna if we need to relook at freedom of speech. Here's a snippet from the episode. Uh, when it comes to freedom of expression in the United States, I, I don't foresee you know any changes uh, to that uh, whatsoever uh, anytime in the near future. But I think it's important to when you think about you know freedom of speech in the U.S. I mean, what is the First Amendment? I mean, the First Amendment basically means that, uh, except in extremely limited situations, there are no criminal consequences for speech. But that does not mean there are no consequences for speech. You can lose your job. Uh, you can uh, face a lot of public criticism. None of those are uh, none of those uh, contravene. Uh, the First Amendment. So I think what you're seeing now, for example, as you discuss with social media platforms, and you're seeing that there's a lot of pressure on these companies to do a better job uh, of policing themselves. And, and that has nothing to do with the First Amendment. That's all I have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.